Testament, they had the priest set to light that lamp with his oil in that second realm. But when they went in beyond into that Shekinah glory, there was a light that burned from it forever. Amen. That's the light we want to be lit by. God bless you. Good to be in church. Good to see you all. Or some of you, some are away, some are not feeling well. Uh, we were away in the weekend, had a chance to refresh ourselves a little bit, but it's good to see you all. It's good to be back home, and uh, uh, congratulations to Brother John, Sister Hannah. I think they were congratulated already, but I'll get a chance to say it firsthand, and we're happy for you. God bless you, and uh, we're happy to have all of you here today, and uh, we're grateful to be in the house of the Lord. Uh, before we just ch change the order of the service, I, I just wanted to mention regarding Brother Jose Palma and his family. I believe his wife is here with the children, and uh, they were planning for a memorial service on Saturday at 1 p.m. here at the church, and they will be streaming that back to... Uh, uh, the Philippines as well. Um, they will also be having a uh, viewing of the body on Thursday, and that's from 4.30 to 8, and it's at Hainstock's funeral home. It's on the south side. If you would like to go, please let me know. And um, because he's going to be buried, they're going to do a, in the Philippines, they're going to do a cremation, so there'll be another viewing on Saturday evening after the memorial. But on Saturday will be the memorial, and if you want to be a support to the family, we want to remember them at this time. Brother Jose always had such a good spirit, and uh, he was always a pleasure to be around, and we, we will miss him. And, uh, but God knows best, and we want to trust in what the Lord has. Um, also, um, we had, I don't know if it had been mentioned, but there's a sister in Washington, Sister Solis is her name. Um, she had a child, her fourth child, and it was on uh, about a week and a half ago. And uh, the brother is a song leader, Brother Michael is her husband. And um, the day after she gave birth in the night, she woke up with pains, her head pains. She had a stroke, she slipped into an unconscious state, they determined that there's a couple of tumors in the brain and the blood was cut off to the head and uh, we, we couldn't even begin to understand how um, a sister that had, four, had just had a fourth child and how this could happen. But we've been praying and it looked like there's no sign. The doctors were about to, to um, cut the machines off. The husband just felt to, to leave it. There's a little bit of a glimmer. She started breathing on her own. And uh, I, I just believe that 
I, I, I think we come to the place where we say, Lord, if it's your will, then take her home. We don't understand. But Lord, if we're here and she has a place, hear our prayer. Because I believe God hears our prayers. And uh, so I, I just want us to remember her. Her name is Sister Solis. And I, uh, Brother Mike Walls is the pastor there. He has mentioned there's no change since that last report, but that was a positive change. And so we're going to just hold to that. If, if we have a mountain in front of us that needs to be moved, it may not happen at once. Maybe a pebble drops. Maybe a little stone drops. Maybe a little bit more. But it tells you it's on its way. So we want to hold fast to that. We want to remember that. There's also a few others in our midst who have been suffering with colds and flus this week. Uh, it's amazing that would happen in the middle of some summer, but the uh, enemy is not a respecter of temperatures and uh, <laughs> wants to take our summer away from us too. Maybe as we just uh, change the order and we're going to turn to the Word, we're also going to pray and we're going to pray for these needs. Let's just sing, Spirit of God, move, Spirit of God, move. Amen. Spirit of God, move, write your word on my heart, fill my whole being, consume my life. Spirit of God, move, an empty vessel I want to be, so that pray together. Heavenly Father, we sang the song about light the fire that once burned. Oh, Father, would you light our fire again tonight? Would you fill us anew, O oh Lord? Father, with the spirit of the living God. Father, we're living in a world that has contrary spirits. But Lord, we desire your Holy Spirit. Father, we ask that you'd cleanse us, you'd wash us. Lord, by the washing of the water of the word. Look through the blood. Forgive us of our sins. Lord, not one of us is righteous, but we depend on your cleansing power. While we're here today, Lord, we want to stand remembering the needs <coughs> that have been mentioned, Lord. Father, for the Palma family, we ask, O oh Lord, Father, they, they're in a place where they need you the great comforter. And Lord, you said you would be a comforter. You promised that, Father. And Lord, we're asking you to raise up those around them, Lord, in the body, in the family, that will also 
give to their natural needs that will help them spiritually. And Lord, that you would give them an assurance that you are still with them. Lord, and we thank you for our brother Jose, but now we ask you to minister to them. Lord, we also want to remember at this hour, Sister Solis, the sister in Washington, we thank you, Lord, that she's still here. Lord, the devil cannot take us before our time. And Lord, we rest on that. And we believe you have a will. And though we wouldn't understand it, we pray for your will. But Lord, while we're here, we're also praying against the enemy, O oh Lord, that would seek to take a life prematurely. So Father, we commit her in your hands for the others that are sick and among us. Lord, minister to them. And for all of us that are here, Lord, empower us, strengthen us by your word. May it be, O oh Lord, that when we leave, they will say it was good to be in the house of the Lord. Now we ask as we open the word, take the scriptures, anoint them, anoint the vessel that speaks, that hears. We give ourselves to you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you to the musicians. We're going to go to the book of Malachi, chapter 3. Malachi, chapter 3. <clears throat> And we will read from verse 16. <clears throat> then they that feared the Lord spake often one to another. And the Lord hearkened and heard it. And a book of remembrance was written before him for them that feared the Lord and that thought upon his name. What a wonderful scripture. There's a promise associated with that. It's in verse 17. And they shall be mine, saith the Lord of hosts, in that day when I make up my jewels and I will spare them as a man spareth his own son that serveth him. God bless you. You may have your seats. I will <clears throat> entitle this tonight, God's Perfect Remembrance. If we go to Acts chapter 15, I'll just go right into the word. It says in verse 18, Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. Known unto God are all his works from the beginning of the world. God is omniscient. God is omnipresent. God is infinite. We are finite. Right. Revelations chapter 21. We'll read this as well. And this will take a context for where we go. Revelations 21. We'll read from verse 3. And I heard a great voice out of heaven saying, Behold, the tabernacle of God is with men, and he will dwell with them, and they shall be his people and God himself shall be with them and be their God. Now, this is referring to the bride of Jesus Christ. Because uh, earlier in the scripture, it talks, I saw a bride adorned for her husband. So he's, he's making reference to the bride. Verse, verse number four. And God shall wipe away all tears from their eyes, and there shall be no more death, Neither sorrow, 
nor crying, neither shall there be any more pain, for the former things are passed away. I don't know how we will be able to give an account of what we went through, but I, all I can say is something will be deleted that will no more come into our remembrance. It says in verse 5, And he that sat on the throne said, Behold, I make all things new. And he said unto me, Write, for these things are true and faithful. Now we'll, we're going to just, just go into it. But if we take the scripture from Malachi, where it says that those that feared the Lord, they spoke often, the Lord hearkened, and he heard it. And a book of remembrance was written. If, if you would take that superficially, it would appear that as you're walking through time, space, and as you do things, God remembers it, and he starts writing. Now, I believe there's more to this scripture than what's just there superficially, and I believe that he is taking an account, but there's more to this than, than leads us. So I'm, I'm going to just ask you to go with me a little bit on the thought. Memory is one of the five senses. There, we are a three-part being. We are flesh, we are also spirit, and we are also soul. The flesh has five senses or gates. They are see, hear, taste, feel, and smell. The greater part of that is seeing. Another great part of that is hearing. Tasting is one that we all love because we, we remember the taste of things and we feel things and smell things. But they all are an entrance to our flesh realm. But in our spirit realm, there are five other senses as well. And I always like the way to remember them is just remember the words, my car, M-I-C-A-R. So M is memory, I is imagination, C is conscience, A is affection, and R is reason. These are five senses or gates to your spirit realm. And now you can't always control them. They are based on what you experience in life. They are, are your, your senses, to your, 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 your flesh senses are, are based on somewhat on genetics, somewhat on, on things, but the, the spirit senses are based on your experiences in life. So your memory, your imagination, your conscience, your affection, these things you can't even control, they come to you. And yet they are in your mind or they are in your spirit. And that's where the greatest war is. So we remember things. That's the, that's the terrible thing about being in this. In our humanity, we remember our past. We remember different things. And I'm just going to dwell in, on the realm of memory tonight a little bit. But, but they're there. And yet there's one other realm and that's the soul realm. And it has faith and it has doubt as the two senses by which it works. So memory is one of the five senses. You can't control what triggers it, but it comes back to you. Uh, you can also lose it. It happens as you get older. Um, some of you are smiling. But, but he says, now it's, so I'm, what I'm trying to say, it's not something you can control and it is an element of the finite creature. 
Uh, it's the, if you look at memory, it is the faculty by which the mind stores and remembers information. So it's in the mind. It's in the spirit realm. That's the battleground. To remember. So, so the mind is the place that it's stored. So remember, you can store so much in it. Be careful what you put onto it because you can only digest so much. Now, to remember is to be able to bring to one's mind an awareness of someone or something one has known or experienced in the past. You can't remember something that you never were a part of. You can't remember something that you never have gone through. Oh, I, I remember what it was like on the Titanic that day. Well, you wouldn't be here if you remembered that. So, so you can't remember something, but you only can remember the things you went through in this life. Now, for good or for bad. Now, I've heard stories of people, they actually can't forget. Their mind stores everything. They remember everything. And th those people that are endowed that way, they say it's a curse to remember everything. That they, it's, it's always there. It's instant recall. It's, it's always there. But, but many of us, our memory, it, it, it comes to us in different forms. We often see the gate of memory as it relates to our earthly existence of which we experienced in this life. So it relates to time. I don't, I don't know if you've ever thought of it this way, but what is your first memory you ever had? Do you remember the day you came home from the hospital? Do you remember the day you exited the womb and what the face of the doctor looked like? No, so memory is something that also has to come through uh, other senses to trigger it, to bring it back. You experienced it, but you can't remember it. If you did, God bless you. Uh, I mean, it was a traumatic time. That's all I remember when I was born. It was, it was just, there was lots of screaming and yelling and things, and I, I don't know what was all going on. But, no, I'm just, I'm just joking. But, uh, but listen, so our memory is as it relates to time. But now we're talking about God's perfect remembrance. And I, I want to bring this together not just as an experience of your flesh or your spirit, but I want to bring this together as it relates to God and our soul realm. So I'm going to use this here just for a moment, and, and I'm going to just start with a message called perfection. Okay, perfection. And now we're talking about God. Brother Branham says, God is endless like eternity. You can never find the corner of a perfect circle. So if you take a circle, that's eternity. It's always perfect. It's always there. You can run through the ages and eternity. There would never be an end to it. That's the way God is. To, first, he was the God which always was. He was infinite. He was perfect to begin with, and he will always be the same. He, can, he can never can change. He's perfectly the same. I'm, I'm going to go into this slowly. Now, he talks about this perfection, but now he says this as it relates to the phrase called time-space. And that's where we live in. We live in time and space. Those are elements that, that we live in. They're part of the dimensions we live in. So it's time, it's space, it's, it's, it's light. These are dimensions the, the, that we contact with our flesh. 
Now, there's other dimensions that we can't contact. We're not going to go into that now. But he said, now this great chain of perfection, this circle, was broken by time-space. Time came because of sin. Now, you have to think a little bit with me. This is, this is maybe not on the level of the, the convention meetings we had, but God is in every service. God is in teaching. God is in, in correction. God is in, in, in emotional services. God's in every service. So we want to take God the way he's coming to us tonight. So he says, now, he says, now, so he says, Brother Ram would say, time became because of sin. Now, Adam and Eve were eternal creatures. They would live forever. But when they sinned, in that day you shall die. God's word could not be broken. In that day you shall die. Now, remember, and I'm just going to come to it here in a minute, Revelations 10 Verse 7, and time shall be no more. So God's going to bring it back to where it was in the beginning. Now, I'm not going to just relate it on that, hanging on that one scripture only. But let's just read the rest of this. Now, he said, time came because of sin. Now, let's draw this picture of eternity, and let's draw a picture of time. Here's this perfect circle, forever and forever. And then all at once, sin dropped in, and... And he said, Brother Brandon would say, it's like a little hickey or a little drop in the chain. So if you can imagine, here's this circle, and out of it comes a little loop that drops out of that perfect eternity. Now, if I can just say this to you today and think about it, that little loop couldn't exist if there wasn't eternity. Now, I want you to think about this, okay? So... That came, that little hickey existed, but it came out of eternity, and it will go back to eternity. So he says now, it it drops in, that's where we are now, eternity continues on, but it's not in its perfect condition. Now this little gap comes, and it comes down this way, God had to do that because Satan caused it. And it dropped into a space of time for the trying, the perfecting, the purging of the lost that God by his sovereign grace might someday lift that little hickey or that gap back into the eternal circle, the perfect circle, and she rolls on just the same. Isn't this wonderful? Uh, You you won't find this in, in most theological schools. But God is making his mind known to us. And the mind of God comes through the prophet. The prophet is the I. And that's what we're receiving. I, I am so grateful more than ever for what God has sent in this last age. So this is the message perfection. I want to read from the message. Uh, from uh, the message Brother Bram spoke questions and answers. This is one of my uh, favorite quotations. Brother Branham would speak, God created me, William Branham, before the foundation of the world. He made my being, my spirit. Now, I wasn't conscious of anything as far as I know. In other words, I couldn't remember it. Because 
it wasn't his flesh that was there. It wasn't his spirit that was there, if I could say that, and yet it was in a way. And now he says, now, Jesus told his disciples he knew them before the foundation of the world. Paul said he chose us in him before the foundation, before the world began. So there's some part of me, some part of Orman Neville, and the rest of you here that's in Christ Jesus before the world ever began. Now here's my analysis of that. I love his analysis of it. He says, I think people today that are possessed with this spirit or the spirit are a part of those angelic beings, spirits which rotated off of God that never fell in the beginning and resisted the devil's lie in heaven. Now, we can't remember it. Jesus told his disciples, I was with you before the foundation of the world, but you don't remember it. But Jesus knew them. <coughs> Why? Jesus came from theophany form. I, I obviously haven't ministered for a while because my voice is not conditioned. <clears throat> I need to condition it. So, in a theophany form, you know all things. We went to flesh first. So in a theophany form, you would remember that. Jesus went from theophany directly to the flesh. We bypassed our theophany. We're coming back to our theophany. It's ministered to us by faith. So, so you, you, here, here, here's how it works. Sometimes you sit in a meeting and something strikes you and you say, that sounds awfully familiar. But yet it's not your memory in your spirit that's catching it. It is your, your soul realm that is saying, I'm a part of that. And, and, and what are you catching? God's remembrance of you. That, you know, you can take somebody who's, who just come out of the gutter or come out of whatever, and they hear something once, and it strikes them and says, that's the truth. Where did that come from? God placed that there. Oh, I thank God it's there. Now, <coughs> I want to also take this. Brother Branham would say, right now through this room is coming colors, everything going on eternal. It's laying right on records, right now going around and around the world. Every time you bat your eyes, it's on a record. Watch, he says, television will prove that. Now, this is in Christ, God is revealed in his word. Now when you are born, God sets a record on. It doesn't make much, he says, now he puts a record on now in that day. How many know what a record is? A record player. You've just dated yourself. Sorry, I trapped you into that. I, I know too, I have two hands up. But a record was a recording device. So you can say a tape, you can say a DVD, you can say whatever. But let's just use record for the moment. When you're born, God sets a record on. Now he says, now this record is on from the day you're born. Now listen to this. Just listen to how God is saying this through the prophet. He said, it doesn't make much noise for a little while. You know, 
It's like a little baby until it comes to accountability. That's when the noise starts. So the record was playing. I, I, now I just realized why I couldn't remember the day I was born. <laughs> no, it's no. <laughs> but, but he says now, he says, till it comes to accountability, then the noise starts. That's when your memory gets synced to your soul or to the part God is doing. You come to an age of accountability. Now, now that's around 11, 12 years old or thereabouts. There's different quotes for that. But that's, he says now, that's when the noise starts. That's when he starts saying things and doing things he has to answer for. And when that life ends, the record or the tape is took off and it's laid in the great big library of God. Now, listen to how he says this. You might forget it, but God doesn't forget it. How are you going to get around it at the judgment bar? It's played right back in front of you. Every move you made, every thought that went through your mind, oh my goodness, my thoughts too? Yes, your thoughts too. Oh God, help us all. Help us all. But it's recorded. And it's there. God can see it. God is God. He is infinite. He knows everything. He knows the day you were born. He knows what you would do. You know, there's two books in the Bible. There's a book of life. That's a book of the recording of every life that's on earth. But there's another book, and it's called the Lamb's Book of Life. Now, you remember what we said earlier? Those that were in Him before the foundation of the world. They were in the Lamb's Book of Life. Jesus came to die for those that were in that book. Now there's others in the book of life. Now he doesn't ignore them because he says, whosoever will come. So he's there. He gives opportunity. He's a good God. Yeah. So this recording. Now, as I just read this a little further, Brother Bram talks about a child and he's doing a baby dedication, and he's saying to her, I trust, Lord, that the day will come when she comes to the age of accountability, that she will make her stand and walk right down to the pool there and be baptized for the remission of sins in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Granted, Father. He goes on to say in another message, we feel that a baby has no sin, no more than its sin that it was born in. We are all born in sin, shaped in iniquity, come to the world speaking lies. And now when Jesus died at Calvary, he took away the sins of the world. Then the baby that would have been born, or it may have died before it was born, or born before it comes to the age of accountability. Now, it's, it's, it sets up for a question and answer, Brother Bram says, but he says, now, it may be that baby dies before it hits 11 or 12 and it has a chance to repent. It says, now Jesus took away the sins of the world, but after it gets old enough and commits sin, it's got to commit, confess its sins and be baptized for the remission of sins, but now it's too young. Why do we not baptize infants at birth? Because they have no knowledge of it. They, they, can't, they can't, 
they can't do it. And we can't give them life. Only God can take sin off the record book. We can't do it. This is a questions and answer. Just to divert for a sec. If a person has to have the Holy Ghost to be converted and go through rapture, what will happen to the state of the children that have died before the years of accountability? The answer, my brother, sister, I cannot tell you that. Now, I love the honesty. And he says, but I can express my thoughts, and I love his thoughts. And he says, this will strengthen you. He says, now, the Holy Ghost filled will be the first resurrection to the elect. The remnant of the dead lived not for a thousand years. Now, he says, all I can say this, we know that babies that die, regardless of the parent, they are saved. Now, to be a part of the first resurrection, that's only the predestination of God. But they're saved. Thank God for that. And he says, now, he says, when, if that baby was a human being, it would have to come under the judgments of God. Jesus died to take away all sin. And he says, they were expelled for God. Jesus died for that purpose. A baby cannot accept its pardon, so it hasn't done nothing. It hasn't done anything wrong. Jesus will never fault you for being a sinner. But he will fault you for remaining in sin once you come to the knowledge of the truth. So when you come to it and something strikes your heart, that's God moving. That's a good time to accept his pardon. Allow him to, to work on your soul that way. Now, Let's just go a step further, and then I'm going to get into some scriptures. Now, there's people in the world that have what they call infant baptism. He said, that isn't nowhere in the Bible. Baptism is a confession of the inward work of grace that God has done. Jesus died at the cross to take away the sin of the world. A baby becomes a human being. It's born in this, this world. They have no sin of their own. They have no repentance. The blood of Jesus Christ takes away sin. A baby is born in sin. They're sinners by nature. The blood of Jesus atones for that. When they come to the age of accountability, they know what's right or wrong, they have to repent. They're born in sin. He says, now they've got to repent. And he says, and when he repents, it's time to be baptized. He's baptized by immersing. Now, I'm, I'm bringing a lot of different things. You can just say, well, if there's a book of remembrance, what about all my good deeds? Well, I'm not going to turn to it, but, but in Isaiah chapter 64, you can read it. It said, our righteousness is as filthy rags. Amen. Your good deeds that you've done, given to the poor, given to this, will never outweigh the sin in our life. There's only one thing that can erase that noise off the record book. The only thing that can erase it is the blood of Jesus Christ. It's not by accepting a church. It's not by joining a church. It's the blood that's applied that wipes away sins. And it's not just a half-hearted confession. But when you really repent and you meet God and something happens, I'll tell you what, there's a difference in your walk. There's a difference in your step. You know he's forgiven you and you walk with grace. Amen. 
There's only one way to erase that off. And now I'm going to come to a couple things further. God keeps his word. Now I want you to think about God for a moment here. Before God ever expresses a word, it is a thought first. That's the same for you and I. Before we ever say a word, it has to enter a thinking. But God goes a bit further than that. Before it's ever a thought, it has to be an attribute. Because God is infinite, He's eternal, so before a thought would come in His mind, it would have to come from His infinite being or the attribute of His essence and who He is. So when God has a thought, His first thought is His best thought. It's his only thought. It's, it, God cannot have a new thought. Now, I want you to think about something. If God ever thought of you from the beginning of the world, he could never have another thought of you. He may know all the people that live on the earth today, and he may know them, but when God had a thought of, of a people that would be there and their names would be on a book, that was his best thought. And when you came and you met God and you had, you had an encounter with him and he expressed his love to you and he expressed it, that was his best thought to you. He can't change his mind. What's our rest in? The infinite God. God's perfect remembrance. Now, in, in the thoughts of God, in the church age book, the eternal thoughts of God are the thoughts of God eternal. God is unchangeable in essence, in essence and behavior. He's infinite in his abilities, so therefore he as God is omniscient. He is not learning or taking counsel even with himself, nor is he adding at any time his knowledge. I don't know how the song goes. There's a new name written in glory. No, the name was always there. But glory has just recognized it. Now he said, therefore, he says, he, if he can add to his knowledge, he's not omniscient. But he is. He never had a new thought about anything because all his thoughts he's always had and always will are, are based on knowing the end from the beginning. The thoughts of God are eternal. They are real. Oh. <laughs> what was John the Baptist the eternal thought of God expressed in time. What was Moses? The eternal thought of God expressed in time. And it wasn't just Moses. It was also Miriam. It was also the children of Israel. It was the 12 tribes. It was right down to this age when it wasn't just William Branham. But it was all that would hear the message were a part of it. They were endued with something. It was a reality. Why? Because he sent us Malachi 4. Because, because you were there. And you were in this time. And he knew you were there. He sent you Malachi 4 to turn your heart back. What? Back to what? The thoughts that he had of you in the beginning. Now, he says, watch carefully and see this. 
before there was ever a speck of stardust, before God was God, which means God is an object of adoration, and at one time there was nobody to worship him. At that time, he was only known as the eternal spirit, but he says, the bride was always, was already in his mind. So that was his thinking. Now, sometimes, here's you and I, we go down the road, we see a billboard, it reminds us of something. And, and we go back in our mind to where we were at in a circumstance, in a situation, and often it's the devil that's condemning us. Often he brings to our remembrance things that God has already wiped off the record book. And we begin, as we think on those things, we begin, begin to be condemned again. That's not God doing that. That's the devil doing that. Brethren, if our hearts condemn us, God is greater than a heart, and he knows all things. So we're not relying on our memory. We're not relying on, on what, 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 what comes to our mind. That's the battleground. But we, there's times, I'll tell you, you feel like you're bombarded from every station. That's why you need to have a resting place where I met God, he met me, and I have something that will hold me. Why is it important? I'll tell you what, it's better to have that come to you than to memorize the message. Because you memorize the message, you might forget it. You memorize the message and it won't come to you. Listen, our memory only goes so far. But there's a promise we have. Oh, I wish I could remember everything from the special meetings. There was something he said and I could... But you know, we have a promise. And God says... As you go, I'll bring it to your remembrance. God, greater than our natural memory, I'll bring it to your remembrance. How often do we pray for our loved ones? And as we pray for our loved ones, we say, Lord, remember them. What are we asking for? Remember them where they're at? Remember my pleading, that's part of it. But we're saying, Lord... I, by faith, believe they're a part of you, and I'm asking you'll remember them, the picture you had in their mind of them, remember them, and bring them to that place. Now, God's best thought of you, and I'm going to have to if you want to, you can take Ephesians chapter 2 and read this later. I may bring it on Sunday. But I want you to now, I'm going to just inject here, for, I'm going to inject some scriptures. And I want to show you how accurate God's word is and how much he remembers everything. We might think, God has forgotten me. Isaiah 49. God will even say, can a mother forget her suckling child. He uses one of the strongest forms of human love that there is, as a mother and a child. Can a mother forget her child? He says, no. He says, I have not forgotten you. I've engraven you in the palms of my hands. In other words, that love is nothing compared to the love that he had when he was on the cross. Listen, he, while he was on the cross, you and I were on his mind. 
How can he forget us? As he was doing, he, you know, he's coming up to the cross. Hebrews chapter 12. He's coming to the cross. And, and as he's coming there, all of a sudden a vision comes. And, you know, he's enduring like no man endured. But he sees a vision looking through time. And he sees you. He sees me. He sees that we need the blood. And he says, I can't forget them. I'll go through this. I'll die for them. What is it? God's perfect remembrance. Genesis chapter 6. Verse 5. You can read the first part about this, about what was happening on the earth. The Bible tells us these times would repeat in the last days. The days of Noah and the days of Lot. The days of Noah was a perversion when men would take wives without a marriage. They would just use men and women. The days of Lot, what was it? Homosexuality, perversion. Verse 5. And God saw that the wickedness of man was great on the earth and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. And it repented the Lord that he made man on the earth. In other words, it seems like God is saying, I made man on earth. What was I thinking? Like, what a mistake. But is God perfect or is he perfect? He's perfect. That doesn't mean that you can't grieve God. Hey, we, I, have grieved God. Why? Because I've not followed what he's asked. The Bible says in Ephesians, grieve not the Holy Spirit. And yet we do it sometimes. But it grieved God, so there's a part of God, he has feelings, and it repented him that he made man on the earth, and he says, I will destroy man. But the story isn't finished in verse 7. I'm just skipping over this. But it says this in verse 8. But Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. So all of this happened so that God could express a memory or an, an, let's say an attribute that he had in himself which was to be a redeemer. So he, why does God allow sin? So that he can express grace. Why does he allow the depths of sin? So that he can express himself. So Noah is the beginning of a type. Now, it actually happened in the beginning in the Garden of Eden. I won't go there. But it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. Verse 9, these are the generations of Noah. Noah was a just man, perfect in his generations. And Noah walked with God. So because God brought something to Noah, now Noah started walking. He started talking. And as he was talking, God was noting what was happening. Yes, that's my seed coming to life. I'm going to write this down. So where does the book of remembrance start? It starts with an act of God, but it's expressed as we walk in it. Friends, there's got to be something for us to overcome. There is something for us to do. There is something for us to act in. We can't just sit back and say, well, gay sarah, sarah. He saved me, therefore I'll be there. No, you've got to do something. I've got to do something. This is where that part comes in, in Malachi. They talked often. Why? Because it was burning in their heart. They couldn't help it. 
And God says, that's my seed. That's my people. I've taken note of that. That's going on their account. And while he's putting that on your account, he's wiped off a whole bunch of other things. Blessed is the man to whom the Lord will not impute iniquity. Oh, friends, if we could see it. In the Old Testament, Abraham seemed like he disobeyed God. It seemed like he lied. It seemed like he did things wrong. He was disobedient. But then as you go through the blood of the covenant, the the covenant of the Lord Jesus, as you come on the other side, here's Paul, and he looks back, and he can't look at the sins. He can't look at it the same way. But he says, Abraham was righteous. He staggered not at the promise of God through unbelief. And Sarah herself received strength. What is it? Through the blood. That's our righteousness. That's God's remembrance. Now, verse 13. And God said to Noah, the end of all flesh is come, for the earth is filled with violence. I will destroy them on the earth. So he tells them to build an ark. For what? The saving of what God had always had in his mind. Okay, let's, we're going to jump quickly now. Let's go over to Genesis 8. Now there's a flood, Noah's in the ark, 40 days of rain, a period of time after that, and it's, this ark is drifting, and Noah's maybe sitting there wondering, when's this going to be over? I, I like cruising, but you know, I've had enough. And these animals are getting stinky, and, and, and there, there's some multiplication going on and things, and you know, I don't know how it was in the rabbit section, but... <laughs> Brother Marshall, I'm just saying that for you because, <laughs> hey, listen, my wife, my wife and I were going on, vac- on vacation and we were just talking. You know, we read over these things, but sometimes we forget that these are real situations and real people. And, and we have to think a little on how it actually was. Like, you know, <laughs> I, I'm not going to get into some of the other things I'm thinking right now. I can't. Okay, and so now in verse 8, now, now look at this terminology. And God remembered Noah. He, don't, don't think like God was sitting there and he's going, da dee da da Oh my goodness, Noah. <laughs> no, that wasn't it. But now it's an appointed time. God remembers the judgment has passed. I'm, I, I, and all he's doing is saying, I, I've got a program and Noah's part of the program. And so what's God doing? It's not like he's remembering that he's forgotten, but he's recalling the thought that he had in the time and the season. So what was it when you were saved? It was God saying, I had a thought of Brother Kevin. I'm going to recall that. Oh, I also have another thought. It's not good for man to dwell alone. Oh, Sister Elizabeth, there you are. (laughs) You know, so God remembered that thought. Now, it wasn't that he just, uh, no, it was always there. But now as it, it comes to a fullness, he begins to act on it and move on it. Okay. Now, and God remembered Noah and every living thing. And then God made a wind over the earth and the waters assuaged. Drop down to verse 21. 
And the Lord smelled a sweet savor. This is after the, the dove came and the waters receded and the earth was bringing forth again. And the Lord smelled a sweet savor and the Lord said in his heart, I will not again curse the ground anymore for man's sake, for the imagination of man's heart is evil from his youth. Neither will I again smite any more every living, everything living as I have done. So, so it's not now God is, he is establishing something. It's, not, it's like he's learning, but he's actually, what happened there was a process of justification. The earth is one of his attributes. It had to be washed with water, just like we have to be washed with water. That's one step. Now another step is sanctification. And that step has happened when Jesus shed his blood on the earth. And when those drops of blood fell on the earth and our bodies were in the ashes of the earth, God was identifying with us. Now, he, he didn't bring us to fruition until our time and season. And the third step is the earth will be baptized with fire. That's what's coming. That's what's just ahead. And before, if you ever want to go through it, you've got to be baptized with the Holy Ghost too. That's all I can say. You want to be, you want to identify with that. Don't fear. If you're on that journey, keep pressing. Just keep feeding. Keep doing. Allow God to minister. Allow God to move you. Press in. So I will not do it. Let's just drop down to chapter 9, verse 11. And I will establish my covenant with you, Noah. Drop down to verse 12. And God said, this is the token of my covenant that I will make between me and you and every living creature that is with you for perpetual generations. I set my bow in the cloud. It shall be for a token of a covenant between me and the earth. So now God is saying, this is what I am saying every time it rains. Now, it's not like God had to remember because he, he keeps his word. But every time it rains and it looks like it's going to rain too much, a rainbow comes and I'm reminded that I said I will never go back on my word. And I'll give a rainbow. Now, remember, when a mighty angel came, he came with a rainbow over his head. That's for another service. We'll just leave that today. But God is saying this, and verse 15, and I will remember my covenant, which is between me and you and every living creature of all flesh, and the water shall no more destroy, become a flood to destroy it. And the bow shall be in the cloud, and I will look on it, upon it, that I may remember the everlasting covenant between God and every living creature of all flesh that is upon the earth. I'm not taking my jacket off to preach another half hour. I'm doing it just because I'm hot and I can't take it anymore. Okay. So, now, he, now he's saying all of this. Now, look at, look at God. Now, I, I, I want you to think about something. God allowed judgment, but out of that, he brought something out of it. Now, I, I, I want to just take this for a moment. And, and, and Brother Branham would take this, this thought. I'll actually, I won't, I won't share all of it, but I, I want to just do this. We all know what's called Clifton's Cafeteria. 
Brother Branham walks in. He's a man who walked in the presence of God, had encounters with supernatural beings, the angel of the Lord. And he walks in there and he sees a policeman who's got an ar- his arms around an old woman, uh, or I guess he calls her an older woman. And, he, and he, sees, he sees smoking, he sees music, he sees all of these things. And Brother Branham, in that moment, he says, Oh God, why don't you wipe the whole thing off? And he says, and then when he said that, the Lord said, come aside. Stand behind the door. And as he stood behind the door, he saw a vision. It was the earth, and it was spinning, it was turning. And he said, and, and then he said, there was a circle or a mist of red around the earth. And then as my eyes focused on myself on the earth... I saw myself doing sinful things that I should not do. And every time I started to do something, I noticed that sin would go up before God, and all of a sudden, if it wasn't for that misting blood around the earth, I would have died. But the blood of Jesus acted like a bumper on the car, and every time my sin would hit before God's throne, it struck Jesus before it struck the throne. Now, he says, and as it struck Jesus, he would shake his head, the tears would roll down his cheeks and said, Father, forgive him. He doesn't know what he's doing. Oh, may we never forget that. When we get so self-righteous and we think that I'm doing good and I'm all of this, may we never forget that. God, write it on my heart. Then I would do something else wrong and it looked like it was death. And, and, and then it, it looked like, I, I just can't read all of this. And then there was a book that was open in the vision, and I noticed my name was in the book, and all kinds of sins was wrote on that book. And I said, Lord, did my sins make you suffer like that? And his tears in his face, and he looked so weary, his, oh, Jesus, forgive me. And he touched, he touched his side with his hand, and he wrote across the book, and he said, pardoned, pardoned. Oh, friends, that's you and me. He pardoned us. May we never forget it. Oh, it was a great thing. And he says, Lord, I could never live long enough to express to you my gratefulness for you forgiving my sins. Why do you come to church? Because I just love him. Why do you preach? Because I love him. Why do you serve God? Because I can't help it for all that he's done for me. I could never repay him. And then he says, now, you are going to destroy her but I just freely forgave you of everything you did. And Brother Branham goes out to that policeman, to that woman, and he says, I'm a preacher. I'm Brother Branham. Oh, and the preacher stepped back, and the woman just, and he, said, and he tells him everything that happened. And he led her to the Lord Jesus Christ. 
Now, I need to just, where are we at? There's a time. Okay, I need to just lay in a few more things and then we'll, we'll close. Let me just say this. Now, I'm a brother, I'm a minister. He's in a prayer line. Now, I'm praying. God doesn't see me. He just hears my voice through the blood of Jesus. And the blood is there just to represent what I ask. He hears my voice. He only sees, he sees only the blood. He doesn't see me. I can't be dirty when I'm under the blood. The blood cleanses. He's a bumper between me and God. And now, he says, I can ask the Father anything, and I'll do it. Now, I want you just to, just, I'm going to lay this as a foundation for a Sunday morning, so let me just do this as a little different channel. Go with me to Exodus 17. I want to look at God's remembrance of what's happening on the earth, and, and I want to bring something out that I'll use for Sunday. Exodus 17, verse 8. This is now Israel. They're in an exodus. They are journeying out of, is, out of Egypt, and they're on the journey, and along the way, they meet this group of people called Amalekites. It says in verse 8, Then came Amalek and fought with Israel in Rehith. I can't pronounce that. And Moses said to Joshua, Choose us men and go out and fight with Amalek. Tomorrow I will stand at the top of the hill with the rod of God in my hand. And Joshua did as Moses said to him and fought with Amalek. And Moses and Aaron and Hur went to the top of the hill. So here is Moses. His hands are lifted up. Israel sees his hand lifted up. And while they're fighting, while Moses' hands are lifted up, Israel is winning the battle. But when his hands fell down, it says in verse 11, Amalek prevailed. And Moses' hands were heavy, and they took a stone and put it under him. And he sat there, and Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on the other side, the other, and his hands were steady until the going down of the sun. And Joshua discomfited. Now that's a, it's a long word. You might not use it. But let me just say this. He destroyed the Amalekites. He, he destroyed Amalek and his people with the edge of the sword. Now, now look at what's happening here. And the Lord said to Moses, write this for a memorial in the book and rehearse it in the ears of, Josh, in the ears of Joshua, for I will utterly put out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven. So I, I want you to think about this. They're on a journey to their promised land, their inheritance, and an enemy comes to fight for them in the place that God has provided. And God says, wait a minute. This is on another level. And he says, you can't do that. And God, God sees this act. And now there's something in God because he's a holy God. He's also a God of vengeance. Okay? And, and now at that moment, Moses builds an altar and he calls the name of it Jehovah Nissi because the Lord has sworn that the Lord, that the Lord will have war with Amalek from generation to generation. Jehovah Nissi is the God that is on our side still today. The enemy, the devil is there here. 
We're here, and God promised that we would have war with him, but we will prevail. Why? Because he's on our side. Jehovah Nissi is with us. And we thought after the meetings, everything's going to be good. No, we still got battles. You got battles, I got battles, but we have Jehovah Nissi. Now, I want you to look at God's attitude, not just to the elect, but against our enemy. Go with me to Numbers chapter 24. No, sorry. Yeah, Numbers 24. Now, this is Balaam, who had an anointing just like Moses, but he was a false prophet. He was hired. He was purchased. He was bought. He was not a real word prophet. So Numbers 24, verse 16, as he's prophesying, he, he, he goes into a prophecy, and I, I, I'll skip verse 16, verse 17, I shall see him, but not now, and but not nigh, there shall come a star out of Jacob, and a scepter shall arise out of Israel, shall smite the corners of Moab, and shall destroy the children of Sheth, and Edom will be his possession. So he's not only saying Jesus will arise, that's the star out of Jacob, but he's saying he will also smite the corners of Moab. Moab was what? A people that were religious, they were on, in the line, but, but they weren't actually in the promise. Moab was out of an illegitimate background. And I'll destroy the children of Sheth. I won't go back to it. And Edom will be his possession. Sarah will be his possession. If you go back in the Bible, Edom and Sarah refer to Esau's inheritance, but Jacob would be the Lord of it because that was what God said in the beginning. Now, does God ever forget his word? No, he doesn't. The covenant he's made with us, a mighty angel that's on our side, that is God's covenant with us. Now look at, these, these are in, seemingly inconsequential little scriptures. But does God forget his word? Never. Out of Jacob shall come he that shall have dominion, and shall destroy him that remaineth out of the city. So here's Balaam in this anointing, and, and all kinds of things are coming that he doesn't even know about. And then he drops this in. Because God never forgets his word. And when he looked on Amalek, he took up this parable. Amalek was the first of the nations, but his latter end shall be that he will perish forever. Who was the first? The, the greatest shining light in heaven, Lucifer. But he'll perish forever. Oh, the devil doesn't like this. But I'll tell you what, we know who we have believed. God will not forget his word. Okay, go with me to 1 Samuel. No, go with me, Deuteronomy 25. Deuteronomy 25. Now, the book of Deuteronomy is 40 years journey in the wilderness. It's the last month of the journey. They're about to go in the land. Moses is giving Joshua a charge. Deuteronomy chapter 25, he's telling him, you've got to possess the land. You've got to do all these things. And he says this in verse 17. Remember what Amalek did to you, by the way. When you're in the journey. When you are come forth out of Egypt. How he met you by the way. How he smote the hindmost. Now, we don't see all this detail in the first part. But look at this greasy devil. What did he do? He smote the hindmost of you. Even all that were feeble behind you. When you were faint and weary and he feared not God. 
God's seeing way deeper than we read in the first account. Therefore it shall be when the Lord has given you rest from all your enemies round about in the land which the Lord has given thee for an inheritance to possess it, you shall, no, you shall blot out the remembrance of Amalek from under heaven and you shall not forget it. Like, does God have a perfect remembrance? Absolutely. Listen, there ought to be more amens. You're in a battle. I'm in a battle. God cannot forget his own. None shall pluck him out of my hand. Does God forget? No. But when he looks through the blood, he can't see certain things. <laughs> Here's the devil accusing you. You did this. You did that. And, and, he, and he's telling God, look at what they did. And, and God's saying, I don't know what you're seeing. I don't see it. You're not looking through the blood. I don't get what you're looking at. And sometimes it's us, you know, we're asking for forgiveness for something that the Lord has already forgiven us of. And he's going, I don't know what you're talking about. That's just the devil condemning you. Don't listen to that greasy guy. And listen, be careful that you don't condemn somebody who's under the blood. Don't do the devil's work for him. Listen, that takes a lot of grace for us to be able to see. Because we're human beings. We've got a human remembrance. Yeah, I remember. This is a pattern. He's done this and this. No, hang on a second. God's somewhere writing a story. Okay, let's, let's just go a little further. Just two more scriptures and we'll close. 1 Samuel 15. Just to follow this through. 1 Samuel 15. Here is the first anointed king of Israel, Saul, and Samuel gives him a task to do. In verse chapter 15, and in, in, in 1 Samuel 15, verse 1, he's saying, hear the voice of the words of the Lord. Verse 2, thus saith the Lord of hosts, I remember that which Amalek did to Israel, how he laid wait for them in the way when he came up from Egypt. Now go and smite Amalek and utterly destroy them. Why? Look at, look at the punishment that's due. Don't spare man, woman, infant, suckling, ox, sheep, camel, ass. Why is God saying that? Because that was the attitude that Amalek had to Israel. And sometimes there's a bleeding heart that says, oh, not, not the cattle. Because Saul was not a spiritual king. He was a political king. And so... They finally came, they gathered in the, Alma, uh, in the uh, again, I won't read it, against the Amalekites, and they smote them all, but verse 8, but he took the king of the Amalekites alive, he utterly destroyed all the people, but he spared Agag, the best of the sheep, the ox and the fatlings, etc., 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 and then the word of the Lord came to Samuel, and God said, it repents me that I made Saul to be a king, because this was so deep in God's remembrance. Go with me quickly, 1 Samuel 28, 1 Samuel 28, verse 16. Now, Samuel has died, Saul is in a battle, David has been anointed king, while Saul is still king, Saul's in a battle, he doesn't know what to do, he goes to a witch, and he calls up the spirit of Samuel. Now, this is, Samuel is in paradise. But the word of God is eternal. It's everywhere. 
And, and as he finally gets Samuel up, then Samuel, what, have you, what are you asking him, seeing the Lord has departed from you, has become your enemy? The Lord has done to him. He spake to me, the Lord has rent your kingdom, given it to your neighbor, even to David. Why did he give it to David? Next verse. Because you obeyed not the voice of the Lord, nor executed his fierce wrath upon Amalek, wherefore has the Lord done this thing to you today? God's perfect remembrance. Now, I, I want you just to take this example. I'm closing with this. Saul didn't execute this against Amalek. But he never committed adultery. He never killed a man like God's righteous King David did. But God hates sin. Now, read Psalms 51 to catch an idea of how David was with sin. It wasn't a haphazard thing to David. He was trapped. He, was, he went into it. But he didn't make excuses. I was conceived in iniquity. I had done wrong. Restore to me the joy of my salvation. But somebody asked you, why are you against denominations? We're not against denominations, but they cut off the moving of God. They put a box around God and God can't move. God does not, does not have a tolerance for those things. Now that's not speaking against the people that are in there. There are good people in denominations, but the spirit of denomination. And you know, just because you're in the message doesn't mean you can't become a denomination. The minute you start to put a box around God and not allow Him, God hates that thing. The first or the second church age messenger, there was Polycarp, and, and Polycarp was a great man. You look at the great things he did, but that wasn't who the Spirit of God chose for the messenger of that age because he was not militant against denomination. Now, I'm just saying all of this. We, we can't, we have to think God's ways are higher. So we're talking about the sister in, in there. If God chooses to take her, that's God's choice. And we say, blessed be the name of the Lord. But we, but we will fight for that. And by the same token, whatever God chooses or puts his hand to, far be it from us to say, God, you did the wrong thing. Listen, if we would take this room, I, I'm, I, let's have the musicians come because I said I'm closing. Musicians come, please. If we would take this room and we would take us before we were ever saved, you wouldn't have lasted five minutes without fighting with somebody, without maybe cursing somebody, with, without looking the wrong way at somebody. But what, what's brought us together? The Spirit of God. So, so we have to say, God knows better. And there's times, I, I will say it this way, we are coming to a place where it's beyond our control. The things in the world, the things that are happening, and we're going to have to trust God more and more. Amen. And I believe when, when we come, as we come closer and closer, 
And I believe if you look at the scriptures and when Jesus was coming to the cross, God didn't forget one scripture. But all of a sudden, this one came to pass. This one came to pass. And they just came all in the last hours. I don't know how many seed are out there. But in the last hours, God can bring them in from any which way. God will not forget one of them. His remembrance is perfect. I so believe in God's perfect remembrance. I am so glad that there's a blood that can wash us. Let's stand together. We'll take this in a different channel on Sunday, but it was good to be here in the house of the Lord tonight. Greater than all my sin is the blood that cleanses me. Greater than all my sins is the blood that still cleanses me, is the grace that still sets me free to praise Him. blood shall never lose its power. Oh, the blood that Jesus shed for me. Way, way back on Calvary, the blood that gives me strength from day to the Lord. 
that gives me strength from day to day it will never lose its power oh for it reaches to the highest mountain and it is there for you right now. It's there for me. It's there for your brother and sister. We thank God for that bumper. Hebrews 10, verse 15. Wherefore the Holy Ghost is a witness to us. For after that he said before, this is the covenant that I will make with them after those days. I will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds I will write them and their sins and their iniquities I will remember no more. Oh my goodness. There's a sea of forgetfulness. And your sins are dropped into there. And when the devil goes fishing, God put up a sign, no fishing. And don't you go fishing for them either. We were in meetings at Mount Baker camp where the Wayne Lawson was preaching. He was telling me, he was telling us about a service. I think it was in Ecuador somewhere. He preached a set of meetings. It was just God had moved and it swept over the people. And they were going to go out for a bite to eat, but they couldn't go. So the brother said, come to my place. We'll eat at my place because it's too late. We won't be able to go out. So they went to his place, and while he's there, he meets the brother's children, and he notices this one sister. And he, he just happens to notice, and he says, what's your name? And he says, so-and-so. And he said something about it, and she started breaking down crying. I told God before I came to these meetings... That if that brother didn't speak to me personally, I was through serving God. I was finished. I couldn't take it anymore. And God did not forget. But he came by her way. The same God that crossed the sea for legion didn't forget. 
You go to the scripture we read in Revelations 21. Maybe before I go to that, you read Revelation 7. There's a group of people. They come through a tribulation. Their garments are washed in the blood. And God says, he says to them in Revelation 7, I just, so I don't get it wrong. He just says, the lamb that's in the midst of the throne shall feed them and lead them into living fountains of waters. And God will wipe away all tears from their eyes. Now, that's a wonderful scripture. But when you go back to Revelations 21, when it's attributed to the bride, and those, see, that group had to go through a tribulation for purging. And they had to remember everything. But in Revelations 21, he gives the same promise, but he also says, and there will be no more pain. There'll be no more sorrow. There'll be no more of that. Why, you can't remember it under the blood of Jesus. Look at the blood that we're under. Look at the washing of the water of the Word. It's a blood like no other blood. And that's what we're under today. Oh, hallelujah. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus will close. Oh, what can wash away my sins? Oh, nothing but the blood of Jesus. And what can make me whole again? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. And oh, precious is that sing the chorus one more time. Brother Alan Dole, can you come up and close for us today? Oh, oh precious is that Lord, oh, that makes me white as a snow. No other found 
Loving Lord Jesus, thank you for that precious blood that you shed for me, Lord. Father, to know that that bumper, Lord, is around me continually, Lord. Father, we just give you thanks and praise. We thank you for your perfect remembrance, Lord. And Father, we thank you for your forgetfulness, Lord, that you cast our sins, sins into the sea of your forgetfulness, Lord. How thankful we are, Lord, and we know we're undeserving of your grace and mercy, but Lord, we want to tell you we love you and appreciate you, and Lord, that we're thankful that you were so gracious to us, Father. Lord, we once again bring the, the needs of your people, Father, remembering our sister there in Washington. Be merciful, Lord, we ask. Those that couldn't be here because of sickness, Lord, may you reach down your hand to them tonight, Father. And Lord, I pray that each one that, that was here or that has streamed, may you grant us all a greater revelation of you, Father. Lord, that we could serve you acceptably, acceptably Father. And Lord, when you come to, those, to that gate at the crossing of the river, Lord, we would hear those gracious words, well done, thou good and faithful servant, enter into the joys of thy Lord. Father, that's our greatest desire. As we go our separate ways, we ask, Lord, for your guidance and direction, remembering the, the bride of Christ universal, Father. And Lord, we also want to remember our brothers and sisters in the Ukraine, that you'd be their portion even as they begin the dawning of the new day, Father. May you stand with them in a special way. Thank you for Brother Ed, Lord. Bless him, give him strength, Father. And Lord, prepare him and prepare our hearts for Sunday services. And Lord, we also just want to remember the memorial service for Saturday. Comfort the family. And Lord, may we be of service to you. We pray now in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. Thank you. What a day that will be. Um. Being a day where no heartache shall come, no more clouds in the sky, no more tears to dim the eye, all is peace forevermore on that what a day, glorious day, that will be, oh, what a day that will be, when my Jesus I shall see, when I look upon his face. The one who saved me by his grace And when he takes me by the hand And leads me through the promised land Oh, 
half an hour after I took my coat off, so I apologize. But you're dismissed. God bless you.